This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. We use the support of our patrons to bring you the best show we can. We also reward our patrons with bonus audio each week. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share nerdy stuff and talk to our listeners. You can also reach us at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, erica.nerdpodcastradio at, you guessed it, gmail.com. It's not at, you guessed it, it's erica.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com and anthony. it's a joke anthony doesn't have an email address you can also reach us on twitter at SuperVeganBrian, at NerdcasterMike, at CurseySmurfErica, and of course, at NerdcastRadio. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. This is Nerd Podcast Radio, and I am your host, Super Vegan Brian, here, and I am joined by Kersey Smurf Erica. Hola! And our special guest, Brent, the boss of Mario Brothers Bowser. <laughs> that, is, that is accurate. <laughs> it, it made me picture, like, Mario showing up at the end and, like, you're there instead of the turtle. That would be fantastic. And everybody's super confused right now because Brian's saying Mario instead of Mario. 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 Uh, I'm not an Andretti. <laughs> Mario. There we go. He says it Mario. Mario. Mario? Mario. The, the entire episode will be just this. Just There's just people <laughs> pronouncing Mario in different ways. <laughs> oh. Mario. Mario. There. We've solved it. Oh, and you know what? Hey, you if know, we really want to race time, let's just say GIF. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, you want to hear something really funny? Speaking of pronouncing things wrong. Sure. So, so we got the two kittens, right? I told you. We get, so, we got two new kittens. Brent, when you come over, two little kittens. Oh, boy. Super um so anyways we well we were gonna name one Maeve and the other one uh Marie and now we've decided on Maeve and Dolores because duh so Amelia cannot pronounce the name Maeve like at all she she's like she's I can't even pronounce it wrong but she's pronouncing it wrong and I was like that's not how you pronounce her name she's like potato potato mom and I'm like that only works for certain words you can't just pronounce something wrong because you decided to pronounce it wrong and she's like no that's not how it works <laughs> so so for like 20 minutes I followed her around and instead of Amelia I was like Amelia Amelia, I need you, Amelia. <laughs> oh, that probably pissed her off something good. Oh, it did. It was fantastic. And now she calls the cat Maeve. <laughs> you got me really curious as to what she was saying. I can't. I don't know. I'd have to ask her to pronounce it wrong again. Well, we're actually here because of the magic of time travel. Um, we're recording this in the past. Because on the weekend that we normally would record it, I'm at um, Strategicon playing games. Yeah, and I am going to, like, the caverns. I have, like, a big family thing planned that weekend. But I am taking time to go see Brent. Yeah, that's uh, that's happening on Saturday. Yep. Oh, you got a show? Uh, Yeah, I'm recording the album on Saturday. Oh, and you're inviting friends? Well, uh, I mean, it's open to the public, so yeah. Oh, it's like a th- so. Where is it? And oh, it's gonna be on the it. Oh crap! We're gonna have to put it on the Facebook page then because this is going live after you've already done it. Oh, okay. Well, then yeah. I will have already done it, and then I will let you know when it is up on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Time travel is confusing. <laughs> It is, but it's going to be, since he's not plugging it, it's going to be at the Sideshow 13 at the Yellow Cab in Dayton, Ohio. After, before we've already done this. 
And so after you, you've already, it's already happened and you're listening to this and we're telling you about it. So if yeah. you have a time machine, go see it. Or you can just throw it on Facebook. We'll do that too. Yeah. Like. Or, or you can. No, I don't get on Facebook. That's your fucking job. <laughs> Fuck Facebook. I hate you Facebook. You can put it on Twitter then. Yes, I'll put it on Twitter for all of my like fifty people that follow and me then that are I'll real copy people. and paste it and put it on Facebook. Okay, that sounds fine. And um, I, I love how Brent's like, I don't care. <laughs> he's like, he's like I, I I thought he's just stewing. Like you told me, I could promote my show. <laughs> tell him anything like that. Mm-mm. Yeah, that was never discussed. It was, no. hey, do you want to be on the podcast with me? Yeah, yep. that was it. That's all it takes. I love having you here, Brent. Oh. I don't have like a specific reason or anything. You're just great to have around. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. He makes he makes me smile whenever I get to see him. He's damn funny, that's for sure. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but But that that aside, he's an amazing and good person, so you know. How did your how did your charity event go? Uh, so that was uh, actually very, very fantastic. Uh, we had we ended up running seven tables uh, in full tables too. So we ended up with about fifty people participating in the event. It was very busy. Yeah. Um, and between the raffle and then the uh, the donations we did while uh, live streaming, so we were um, we did. Uh, we had some fantastic dice bags. We had some uh, Pathfinder boons and material. And then during the game, uh, people were donating uh, re-rolls uh, for the group, offering uh, uh, bonuses. Like someone uh, gave some money to do like a permanent Inspire Courage for the group. Uh, they even bef- befriended uh, one of the Barbarian's vicious dogs. And, oh, yeah. and someone uh, paid money to uh, name the dog Jeff and make it a part of the party for the rest of the adventure. Uh, and in total, we raised $3,400 for suicide prevention. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, really, really a lot, a lot more than I had anticipated. It was pretty overwhelming. Uh, and honestly, my, what really impressed me was, uh, the internet was not the internet about this. Um, you have to, going to have to clarify that. So, <laughs> oh, I, I didn't uh, think he needed to go ahead though. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so I I posted the event and like the link to the raffle uh, on Reddit on several Facebook groups. Um, I went kind of outside of the pie of guidelines and was posting that uh, in some of the forums that you really shouldn't be advertising, you know, game days in. Uh, the fact that I was offering up some of my own uh, personal boons for raffle when you know legally they're not for sale. This wasn't a sale, but does this count as you know trading money for boons and? Um, you know, we got some, some fantastic shout outs from, uh, no direction podcast. Uh, we got, um, word on the blog, uh, from Tanya Woodridge. We got some retweets from the, the Paizo team and, uh, and no one nuked any of my threads. No one talked about how suicide is the coward's way out. No one brought up any kind of like, can you even do this stuff? Like, there was no resistance, no trolling, not, not the internet wasn't the internet. They were helpful and supportive <laughs> through the entire thing. They should really make it an official rule that you can do whatever the hell you want with your boons for charity. <laughs> uh, yeah. So but uh, it didn't, it didn't come into any kind of conflict or anything. People were just like, Oh, it's for charity. That's good. Let's yeah. not make a big deal about it. Yeah. Uh, and that, that surprised the heck out of me, honestly. And uh, that's one of the, the few things that I am very, very, very grateful for. Uh, yeah, I was, I was prepared to, yeah, well, I mean, even during the, even during the live stream of, you know, well, that's not how you, you can't give money to pay for a wrap for a reroll. You only get one reroll per blah, blah, blah. You know, the fact that, it, that we were raising money to help people, um, uh, for a cause that, you know, has touched so many people in the gaming community, um. I, I was honestly just kind of taken aback at uh, all of the love and support to help make the event as successful as it was. Yeah, we, we did an event once for canned food drive where people could give in extra cans for um, re-rolls and nobody cared. Everybody was like, that's great. See, this that gives me hope uh, <laughs> for for people. You know, as, as all of the horrible things that we hear about with the... Uh, 
you know, between fake news and Russians and social justice warriors on Tumblr and, and all of the the animosity and the ugliness that can exist on the internet, it's it's events and times like these where everyone was just cool with everything and let's help each other and it's uh, really restored my faith in humanity. That's exactly what I was about to say. It sounds like your faith was restored. And <laughs> it was it was wavering there for a while, so that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Oh, did did I never told you how we ended up there, did I? Uh-uh. Okay, so I told you things don't exist unless they're on my calendar, right? Right. So I knew you were doing it, but I forgot when. You were doing it. And so we went down the street to like this orchard and got some ice cream. They were trying to spend like the day outdoors, but then the rain was coming. And in the back of my head, I was like, we should go to Epic Loot. I feel like we should go to Epic Loot. That would be a good thing to do on a, you know, a rainy-ish day and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Hold on. Hold on. Apparently, my tornado thing is going off. Hold on. Nope. Never mind. It stopped. So... Um, we didn't, we didn't that, know. That was terrifying. <laughs> Why? I'm, I'm like worried that the tornado is going to hit you now. It didn't announce anything, which means if it's not a, that it's not a tornado, that it's a severe thunderstorm with lightning. Okay. Yeah. The, the, severe, I, I live in California. Severe thunderstorm with lightning scares the crap out of me. Oh, no, that's like Tuesday. Okay. Or Sunday in this case. All right, go on. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, heavy thunderstorms. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, um, I was at the orchard, and I was like, no, no, it's, it's a good thing to do on a rainy day. I feel like this would be great. We really should go. And I went, and I was like, wow, it's really busy. There's a lot of Pathfinder people here. It's a Pathfinder day. And and then I saw, uh, was it McNerney that was there? Oh, there? yeah. Yep. Yeah. Then I saw McNerney, and I went, something's up. <laughs> <laughs> and i went back there i'm like oh my god the thing i forgot about the thing i'm a terrible person so i'm a terrible person and i forgot but i i was super excited to be there for like the the 20 minutes that we were there because every like brent said everybody was really into it it, it was it was pretty awesome and i got to see a lot of people i haven't seen in a while that's so cool that you made it so <laughs> accidentally <laughs> Well, Does that we make are... me a bad person, Brent? Are you mad now? Or are you like, oh, what a terrible friend? Oh no, I just believe in uh, fate and karma too much. Oh, I love you. We we're just <laughs> supposed to be there. That's right, I was. All right, Brian, you can go now. Well, <laughs> we are here to talk about scientists and how they have erupted in pop culture. But first. But first, we're going to play everyone's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, where everybody says what the nerdiest thing they did this week was, and then we vote on it using the patented Mike Myler widget system. And if he doesn't patent that system, I'm going to be pretty upset about it. You should patent it yourself. No. It's if he doesn't patent it, steal the patent. Yeah, exactly. No. You should be like Edison and just take credit <laughs> for it. Oh, I actually found out the actual process of a patent. It's fucking forever. It's like a three-year process. Are Are you saying, Brent, that Erica should use the widgets to kill an elephant? Yes. Oh, okay. I mean, and I could do say, that. And they'll say autopsy at her. <laughs> <laughs> and we can we can sing the topsy song. Hold on. Nope, never mind. More tornadoes. Just more thunderstorm, like lightning, severe strike stuff. Is it raining where you are, Brent? Um, no, but yesterday we had, so this is what's weird. We had like really bad thunderstorms and everything yesterday. And we were afraid that we were going to lose power at the convention. And then oh. like I called my mom. She's like, no, nothing up here. It's a nice day. And then I'm down here like, oh, it's pretty nice out. And then you're like, oh, we're all going to die. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So now it, it's pouring rain up here because it's Ohio and, you know, across the street it could be not raining. <laughs> so brent what's nerdy with you uh man i don't know not much i just got done uh doing a convention down here in cincinnati uh running pathfinder uh we did i so i just got done running bone keep level two where uh one person who knows me very well did not fireball the the swarm of ogres and the other person <laughs> 
And the other person who doesn't know me very well was like, that's a good idea. I'll fireball the ogres. Where one of them was wearing a necklace of fireball type 5 and <laughs> 100 and some points of fire damage later, we didn't have uh, people adventuring in Bone Keep anymore. Aww. I love Bone Keep. I love yeah. running Bone Keep. Bone Keep's fun. Um, I'm actually going to a convention that's running no Bone Keeps this weekend. It's sad. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, this is like pretty new. Like Cincinnati hasn't really ran a lot of uh, hasn't really ran a lot, so they're kind of excited to uh, have me show up and just be a jerk to them all weekend. It's very. I weird. can't. I can't wait for Bone Station and Starfinder Society. Oh, that will be fun. That'll I'm. Be fun. Is there really going to be a Bone Station? Because I just made that up. Uh, I don't know, but I feel like if there is a bone station, I want to make it a a basically a killer dungeon crawl space station. Oh no, I meant like a place where everyone can go bone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's that's the name of the nightclub on Absalon Station is Bone Keep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, okay. So the the nerdiest thing I did uh, actually in Siege of the Diamond City. We play that with our seeker level characters, and uh, the Baylor general uh, who led the army out of the world uh, was f- flying 70 feet in the air, and my alchemist hit him with a tanglefoot bomb, which means he couldn't use his wings to fly. So I made a Baylor take falling damage. <laughs> Siege of the Diamond City—that's the one where you can play it with up to level 15, right? Yep. Yeah, I played that with a 13th level sorcerer, and I cast Grease on a Glabritsu. It was amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really fun when they're like, oh, the demons have wings. I'm like, cool, Tinglefoot Bomb. Splat. That was fun. <laughs> I made a Glabritsu trip. I was very <laughs> proud of myself. They have really shitty reflex saves for mm. very for CR15 monsters. Yeah, you, you, you would think that they would have tried to beef that up. I'm like, nope, just put a big old target right there. You know, this whole conversation makes me sad because the only time I ever get to play now because of my children is when Brent comes over and we haven't played since like fucking November and we've got to finish Ravenloft and I just, my heart is so sad. Well, we got June 3rd 3rd for it. I know. Erica, what was nerdy with you this week? Uh, this is this is going to be hard for you and me because we just did this yesterday. <laughs> we did just do this yesterday, but not that hard. I discovered a new show on Amazon called Britannia. Have you heard of this? I've seen it. I've seen it pop up. Okay, it is fucking nuts and amazing. I loved it. It's it's essentially about the Romans invading uh, Britain. Oh, okay. uh, in. Uh, killing Celts and there are druids. I mean, and these aren't like your happy, cuddly druids. These are fucking scary as fuck druids. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so beautiful. <laughs> I just, I love it. It's not, it is not a happy, feel-good show whatsoever. It's, and I don't want to say it's very Game of Thrones in like the drama aspect. It's not, there is drama, don't get me wrong, but it's more of like a fucking survival situation. But they definitely Game of Thrones the characters. Like, there is no guarantee anybody lives. Like, don't get attached to anybody. It's, it's, but it's super good. It's really, really well made. And they, they talk about like the Celtic gods and the druids and like the way they present the druids' magic is like super believable it's not like this you know it's not like merlin it's just it's very believable in the way that they present it so i uh i found it and i binge watched it it's only nine episodes but i fucking binge watched that bitch and it was worth it and i can't wait for season two and i'm not hearing i mean it's popping up on my feed but like i'm not hearing a lot of you know talk about it so like part of me is like i really hope they don't cancel it after the first season (laughs) you know that's the nerdy thing i did okay brian what about you i so yesterday was my stepdad's memorial service and we needed a cheer-up day so my mom and i watched the greatest showman which i was struggling with pretty hard because it fictionalizes and romanticizes the hell out of P.T. Barnum. Um, Wasn't he but, like an asshole? 
um, I wouldn't say he was an he was an asshole, but he was an exploitist. Well, well, I mean, I thought that was covered by showman, so I don't know. Yeah, um, like the the bearded lady. He he he. The bearded lady and Tom Thumb were two people that he basically bought. They were um, they were children that he based took custody of and paid their parents their salaries. That was very common back then. Yeah, and then there was the the eighty year the eighty year old lady, former slave who he who was blind and deaf, who he basically exploited and made her out to be um, George Washington's nurse, a hundred and sixty year old. He he pretended she was a hundred and sixty year old and like paraded her around and had people see her. He was le- she was left out of the movie. I think that was a little bit too much for them to try to romanticize that. <laughs> mm, probably. He even made money off her autopsy when she died. Good lord. Um, but yeah, I I forced myself to accept it as a musical, and I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I geeked out on the choreography when um, Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron did a choreographed dance scene involving taking shots that went along with the music. That sounds pretty awesome. I hear nothing but good things. Where they would like take a shot and then spin around and come back and slide the shot glass across the bar and the bartender would do this like juggling thing with the shot glasses and the the full shots would come at them and they would shoot them and... um, in time to the music and then slide the empty shot glasses in time to the music while they were catching the full ones and then shooting them. And it didn't stop them from singing. I was pretty cool. It sounds really cool. I enjoy modern musicals because I enjoy the old ones and I enjoy that it's coming back. And it was directed by the same guy who did La La Land or choreographed by choreographed by. Okay. It was directed by a first time director as a guy who used to do special effects. Which was good because there were CG elephants and lions in the movie. You mean they didn't torture elephants and lions? That's good. No, it wasn't a movie about Edison. Uh, It doesn't (laughs) even sound like a movie about P.T. Barnum at this point if he's not torturing wild animals. (laughs) They they made the main story about his his relationship with... um, the the Swedish Nightingale, who was a singer at the time that P.T. Barnum made a whole lot of money off of. But that was that actually is what bothered me the most, because in real life, he was married happily. He went to with this. He did this tour across the country with this lady who eventually um, stopped the tour because she got bored of it. In the movie, it was like all drama. And it was like drama for no reason. It was like he went on tour with the lady, which created drama between her and him and his wife. And then the the lady left him because she wouldn't he wouldn't return her romantic advances. And it was like, yeah, but but why? Why did why? Just conflict for no for conflicts reason just to have conflict in the movie where you already had plenty of good conflict in the movie that was also imagined. And Zac Efron's character wasn't in the real life. It was fictionalized character. But, you know, I, I'm not going to complain that Zac Efron's in a musical. He's good. Wasn't he like a high school musical person? Yeah. He's also really talented in that kind of thing. Okay. So we are on to voting. Brent, you have four widgets. Where do you give them and why? Um, you know what? I think I'm going to split them. Um, I'm going to give three to Erica. Yay! And I'll give one to Brian. And Erica? Um, I am going to. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna split them evenly. Brent gets two, and you get two. Because I'm really jealous. I don't get to go and play Pathfinder like with people anymore. Um, and I know that mom really needed some happy time. So that's pretty awesome too. And I am going to give all four of my widgets to Brent, making him the winner. Yay! Because of charity for a cause I really care about. Yes. That wasn't his nerdy thing this week, but yes. (laughs) He shared nerdy things about stuff in the games that happened, oh, at the convention. Yeah. Which wasn't connected to that. Anyway, I'm being biased. He wins because of that. Like, Brent fair. wins because That's he's a fair. great person. That's fair. All right, fine. Whatever. And you don't win because you're short. 
You're just jealous because I won like the last two times. No, and I'm jealous to, because you just I, didn't want me to win a third time. That's no, all. I'm jealous because you can get stuff off the body sh- bottom shelf without bending over. Oh, yeah. yeah and, and all the widgets are on the top shelf. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, of course. So, anyways, moving on, Brian. What's our topic for today? You're talking about scientists and pop culture. And um, we, we brought up some cool names. We talked about how um, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a big deal. Um, so is Bill Nye with his new show on Netflix. But I wanted to bring up somebody that a lot of people haven't really thought about in a long time, who is still alive and doing amazing things all over the world, is Jane Goodall, um, the subject of that old movie from the 80s, Gorilla and the Miss. Jane Goodall went into the... Um, into the national park in Tanzania and spent time with chimpanzees until she could understand their behavior. And she basically risked her life because chimpanzees are dangerous. And now she travels all over the world, educating people. And I, I just, I mainly, I, I wanted to bring her up because when I researched this, I was surprised that she was still alive. Yeah, that is surprising. I agree. Yeah. Cause I thought at the end of the movie, she died. Mm. I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe I saw a different movie. Are maybe, you thinking of Congo? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm no maybe all maybe because all of Sigourney Weaver's movies in the '80s kind of run together after a while. <laughs> oh yeah, so you're watching Gorilla in the Mist, and Sigourney Weaver's out there, and then an alien bursts out of her chest. <laughs> right. Yes, uh, and the alien looks like Meg Ryan, who's actually her secretary. <laughs> <laughs> good someone else remembers oh i don't think too many people remember gorillas in the mist anymore <laughs> that's it true. was a great movie yeah it was good so, so what is, is jane still doing um basically like forest preservation and uh, um she's teaching work? kids about um animal advocates um yeah. and she's teaching and she's um and she's um teaching uh, children and adults about um how apes are related to us and why it's important to protect them. Okay. So basically everything that Ken Ham is not doing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Who's on Ken a, Ham? A note, who's Ken Ham? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know if you've heard about this museum on creationism or this giant arc. Oh, like, that, oh guy. that guy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, fuck those guys. Yeah. I mean, basically the complete opposite of scientist culture. <laughs> Uh, Anti the next episode, anti scientists in pop culture. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love. Did he? Okay, speaking of Bill Nye, didn't he like uh, argue with Bill Nye? Like it was a big debate. Yeah, yeah, because Bill Nye, in his other life, he's a, a media atheist. Yeah, 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 and the the debate was quite. Just not funny, you know? I mean, he tries, but um, it's just hard. He's not really... But I think that's what makes him funny, is that he's really fucking not. <laughs> yeah, he's so bad at it. He's so <laughs> bad. And, like, everything that Bill would do would be like, so over the course of hundreds of years, you know, this person studied this, and this person studied this, and these discoveries led to this person studying this, and then this has been conducted from institute, 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 and global, 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 and we've covered everything from biology to micro uh, to astrophysics and microbiology and here's all the evidence on blah and then kim ham would be right but in this bible like (sighs) yeah i watched that whole thing i watched that whole thing and uh he i don't know maybe i'm just on bill nye's side i don't know but i felt like he had the upper hand because like the guy just kept talking you know in circles like he, right. I mean, because you have to, it's religion. So, like, and it was just watching, like, Bill and I, like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah, and they'd be like, okay, next point. And it'd be the same thing where Bill would be like, so we have several studies that have been done in the past 20 years around the world, different universities and perspectives, they're all going to be coming to the same thing, studies and study, research, research, hundreds of testimonies upon this, and then Cam and Ham would hold up his book and be like, right. But in this Bible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it was like, and you, and, and you can see Bill Nye, like that oh, circular was, logic, like his head is about to fucking explode. Uh-huh. It was, it was so good. 
<laughs> so good. Sorry. Um, you you ever heard any of the people arguing that Bill Nye isn't a scientist? He's an engineer. Yeah, yeah but why does that make him not a scientist? I mean, he he's a practical scientist. Then if yeah. he's an engineer, but I mean, he had to study crap tons of science to be an engineer. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where people get the word scientist twisted, you know, because I mean, chemical engineers and uh, and biologists are still scientists. I don't know that they could really overlap too much on some of the things that, you know. And you have to understand a crap ton about science. And I mean, like he was a mechanical engineer, which means he knew physics pretty damn well. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he knew math, which is a science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely crossover. But then, you know, when you start getting to your field of specialization, you know, is when you start. And I think people don't. I, I don't know, maybe I'm being biased on it, but I think sometimes people just, it from like computers, oh, you work on computers, so you can fix this, right? And like, a network engineer is not a programmer, is not a help desk technician. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah, and it's just, oh, you do computers. Well, how do you cop? I can't get my computer to log in so I can copy and paste. Oh, my God. Can you? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I feel like science Preaching is the to same the choir. Way. Preaching yeah, to I, the choir, Brett. I feel like science is the same way of like yes bill's bill's an engineer you know and, and certainly there's the the math and some chemistry and, and physics that cross over i wouldn't i wouldn't trust in dorm surgery but that doesn't not make him a scientist yeah but i also <laughs> wouldn't have a geologist perform surgery on me either and i'm pretty right. sure that <laughs> they're officially a fucking scientist so yeah oh on an unrelated note brent i just have to let you know i saw maverick yesterday again um, so if I call you Brett by accident, that's why. Okay. Uh, well, I know that's not related to anything. Maverick, you know, Mel Gibson movie. No, Maverick. Oh, it's great. You should see it. Okay. It's good. It's got Jodie Foster in it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Every time I hear Jodie Foster, I just like, Tay in the wind. <laughs> what is that from? That sounds familiar. <laughs> Nell. From what? The movie Nell. I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah, she's like this girl that like can't really speak because she was like raised in the woods and then like her mom dies and then people find her and she's like a wild animal. It came she... out like around the same time Contact did. Oh. Like when she really hit her like stride. I think I've seen it, but I barely remember it. It's actually one of my favorite Jodie Foster movies because... I, I I don't know. I have a love for psychology, and it brought up like a lot of different like psychological factors, and I, that was pretty cool. So even though he like totally rapes her, and that's terrible. So Brent, do you have um do you have a scientist in pop culture you would like to bring up? Yeah, I, I want to bring up Hank Pym. Oh that- wow, we got to talk about him hitting his wife then. Yeah, I know. So I feel like that's why Ant Man is Scott Lang and not Hank Pym is you know it that is such a character defining moment that that's not who you bring to the forefront of uh of pop culture well, there's so many great discussions about hank pym you can have because i mean in addition to being abusive he was also mentally ill right which is so you get some weird. yeah you got Where some you really Ultron coming in and and really ultron being a a physical manifestation of the evil that exists within Hank Pym. So, um, Erica, how much do you know about Hank Pym? I know what I saw in Ant-Man. Okay, that's good. So ask questions about who Hank Pym is so the listeners who don't know too can use you as an analog. Oh, okay. So what are we talking about? He hit his wife. I thought we were joking. Seems like we may not be. No, so... The the original Ant Man, the uh, Avengers number one Ant Man, uh, and the Wasp was Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. Uh, in the movie, you know them as Kirk Douglas, who is the the retired guy, and then you know Janet uh, Van Dyne was the one that got lost. Um, and it's her daughter that uh, is the one that is you know training uh, Paul Rudd how to do the martial arts and everything. Okay. So, yes. So in the comics, uh, Hank Pym is the original Ant-Man. He uh, him and and Janet didn't have the greatest of relationships, which led to him striking her 
And okay. this he, is going through a period of time where he's becoming Yellow Jacket. Um, he's not Ant Man, and he's in conflict with the Avengers. He's been has he been fired at that point? No, he was fired after he struck he, her. Yeah, he was fired afterwards. Yes. Um, and then another very prominent aspect of him is uh, he created Ultron. Uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't Iron Man. Um, okay. the, story is, the story is kind of similar in the aspect of you know he goes to create this robot um, to help uh, defend the Earth from uh, the greatest threats to the Earth, which um, uh, turns out that the the greatest threat to humanity uh, is, is humanity. humanity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hank Pym is a really complex character because he was a staunch um, pacifist. He really, really strong pacifist, and he was coming into conflict with the Avengers because they were using violence to solve problems, and he was creating Ultron to solve this whole problem with violence, basically end the cycle of violence forever, and he was getting more and more unhinged to the point where the violence came out of him, and he hit his wife. Ah. I mean, I don't mean like he smacked her, like he knocked her out. It was like the backhand with the thwap. It was really bad. And Oh, got it. Oh, well, that's pretty shitty. Yeah. And they revealed later that it was because the pin particles were deteriorating his brain. Mm. But you you end up into this real like convoluted argument of, you know, violence isn't justified because of mental illness, but you still have to have sympathy for people with mental illness. It's 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 amazing. Yeah, it's uh, he's a he's certainly a damaged enough character that uh, you really don't put someone like that front and center uh, of a of your movie, especially a very Disney clear cut hero versus villain. Like he could be a DC hero. <laughs> Clearly, he's dark enough to do that. Um, Got it. So is yeah. that why somebody else is Ant Man then? Um, so well, I, Scott Lang ended up being Ant Man in the comics. Yeah, and it was basically the same storyline. He tried to steal from Hank Pym, and Hank Pym was was out of the Avengers at this point, and was like, "I'm, I'll make you Ant Man because you're smart and you could steal my crap. So let's uh, let you do it." So here's a part of it where I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that Hank Pym is not the Marvel com, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Ant Man because of what he has done in the comics uh, because they've they've clearly shown that they're willing to deviate from the source material and and create these characters on their own and kind of redefine them uh, I I feel that Hank Pym is has kind of been relegated more to um, the mentor if you will um, I I think the reason why they so, did it was so they could I, I I'm sorry to cut you off Brent I think the reason why they did it is because they wanted to seed a 80s DC, uh, uh, sorry, DC, an 80s Marvel Cinematic Universe so they could revisit that in the future. I mean, that that's certainly uh, a very good theory about it as well. I just think that um, science and pop culture uh, just really hasn't hasn't been cool. I'll say that. Uh, because uh, when you look at like the 1960s heroes and everything, like Hank Pym was a scientist and he's a hero. Uh, Iron Man was the scientist and and the hero. The Atom, you know, uh, was the scientist and the hero. Barry Allen, uh, the Flash, was the scientist and the hero. And they still they still have some of those aspects in more modern incarnations. Um, but I feel like so much of that gets pushed to the side. Like I think we see more time more times where. Um, Gosh, who's the uh, who's the guy on the Flash uh, that ends up being Zoom? Barry Allen. Yeah, uh, Zoom is more like the scientist mentor. You know? Oh, they oh, what did they do? They did the Eobard Thawne yeah. and um, Harrison Wells storyline, where Harrison Wells ended up being Eobard Thawne the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So it, I feel like they they take these scientists and make them Q type roles as I'm clearly smarter than you. So I will give you the tools to go do this, you know, to you go be the jock and you go beat everything up. And then let's just relocate uh, the scientist. As, well, I just have to, you know, stay in my wheelchair. I have to stay back at the lab and develop all the toys for you. Whereas it used to be, um, they develop their toys that they then go fight. with. Mm-hmm. Well, 
if we're bringing up fiction and how science is a big deal in pop culture and it the two worlds are colliding again, you got to bring up Rick from Rick and Morty. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Who is a horrible individual who is the hero of a show. <laughs> hero? <laughs> I wouldn't even call him an anti-hero. <laughs> he is a character that exists on the show. Uh, <laughs> Why do we love him so much? Why I mean, do I love him so much? Why do anybody? I mean, everybody loves Rick. Why do we love him so much? He's not redeemable in any way. Um, True. He is not redeemable. I, Rick is actually not my favorite person on the show. I mean, he makes everything else possible, but Summer's my favorite. This last season was Summer. And season. she's becoming more and more irredeemable as time goes by. She is, and it's pretty fantastic. But, you know, just how I feel. <laughs> and we get 70 more episodes. I know! I'm very, very excited. Do you, do you think that maybe the characters are becoming more and more irredeem- irredeemable because, like, we are getting smarter about things as science is revealing more that we are also maybe kind of also realizing how helpless we are in the grand scheme of the universe and uh, how the the truth about why things are isn't all cut and dry. It isn't all black and white. It's not just pure good and evil. You know, I mean, even going back to the whole, uh, you know, violence and mental illness thing with Hank Pym of, Uh you know, there's a there's a chemical reason why he is the way he is and have some sympathy that this is his struggle but also there's ways that we can fix it you know like we found the science for sympathy but then the science for the help as well i see what you're saying yeah like it's just not everything works perfectly like oh this works the way it works and it is both good and bad at the same time yeah and it just is <laughs> And I think I think I think you've got on I think you've caught something there for sure. Like because first off, not everybody can watch Rick and Morty. No. <laughs> you can't. Either you get what's happening or you don't get what's happening. And it's either just, you know, you're just appalled by it or you understand exactly what you're trying to say. Like everything is fucked. But that's okay. Like, yeah. Uh, I think the uh, probably the best ex- example I can think of right now is uh, there's some people who watch it for Rick explaining why he turned himself into a pickle to avoid going to therapy because there isn't actual – like the science behind psychology and therapy is still very new and gray and hasn't really proven to be effective. So why would even waste his time on something that you can't quantify and measure and repeat? Versus her saying, yes, but there is enough evidence to show where it is working. And then there's the people who just scream Pickle Rick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The people who get it, who understand what they're trying to say, and the people that... <laughs> and those are the people that can go fuck themselves. Yes. <laughs> just saying. So, but, but no, no, that's exactly it. Like, God, Rick and Morty is awesome in its terribleness. Yeah. Like, that. that <laughs> That's exactly, exactly, you know, what it's about. Nothing matters, so everything matters, so nothing matters. Like, and and it's it's brilliant the way it's written. And um, I love that there's like, yeah, there's some not science-y science stuff in it, but the science stuff they put in there is great. Like, this is why this works. Like, Like, Rick is a pickle. Super. They're talking about the salts being able, of the pickle being able needed to move the the muscles of the rat that he killed. Far fetched, but there's something to that. So right, yeah. So you know, it's brilliant in its terribleness, and I love I love it. So, and I hate the Szechuan sauce people. They can fuck themselves. Wow, that's harsh. It's not harsh. It is not harsh. It's completely legitimate. Did that happen big in Ohio? Because it, it really didn't happen that much here. Uh, oh, so I don't know about like, so the people were such assholes that like, even like people like Matt who love Rick and Morty are at the point where he's like, I don't even know if I want to be associated with Rick and Morty because there are assholes associated with Rick and Morty because of that. Wow. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a, 
pretty big deal because Matt's a pretty laid back guy, but he really doesn't like people, you know, being terrible. And that's exactly what they were. So, you know, does that cover it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that covers it. Erica, do you have any? I didn't mean to hijack you, Brent. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I'm going to hijack him by saying, Erica, do you have any um, scientists, real life or fictional you want to bring up? Um, gosh. We haven't talked about um, Neil deGrasse Tyson yet. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, I actually have a crush on Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> I just love the fact of how natural he is in front of a in front of a um, audience or in front of a camera and how funny he can be. Oh, oh yeah. He's got a definite charisma and he's very smart. And I, I, I don't want to say everything I've really learned about astrophysics physics i've learned from him but quite a fucking bit like i bought his book i love his book i obviously watched cosmos i listened to star talk i mean he's pretty amazing but all of that aside um he, he deserved an honorable mention but no i want to talk about uh i'm going to pronounce this wrong and chris will correct me later uh michelle kaku did, did either of you mm. no no. Okay. How do you spell it? Uh, hold on. Pause. Michelle Kaku? It's not Michelle. It's a dude. Oh, Michelle oh, is French Michael. No, no. He's like Japanese or Asian of some type. Hold on. Because I'm terrible. Hold on. Let me just go ask Chris real quick, you know, because it's radio. Hold on. Michio. I found it. Yes. Michio. Yes. Michio. So, I... We... Uh... Chris had his book. I stole his book and I read it and it was great. And then we went to, it was like three or four years ago. We went and saw him at Wright state, um, give a lecture. Oh my God. Like he's talking about stuff that you could do with the brain that they're working on like right now. And like, I, just amazing stuff. He's talking about how like, Oh, we've completely sequenced, uh, sequenced the human genome. Now we're looking at, you know, how to adapt the brain and stuff like that. And, it was Did you great. know that when he was in high school, he made a particle accelerator in his garage for a science fair project? Huh. I did not, but I'm yes. not surprised. <laughs> I'm his not surprised. His goal in high school was to generate a beam of gamma, ray, gamma rays powerful enough to create antimatter. Oh, not a hole? Not a hole, no. Okay. Yeah, no. he did this in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a really amazing physicist. Like he's he was talking about all sorts of stuff. Like I, I feel, I'm very unprepared right now. Like let me go grab my book. I like highlighted shit. Hold on. And yes, I own books that I highlight. You of course you do. You're on this podcast. Hey Brent. Hey yeah. Waiting for Erica to come back. <coughs> yeah. Uh, who else uh, is on your list? Because I feel like you've got a lot of people that I definitely uh, have not heard of. I got um. I have a dead one. I have Carl Sagan. Oh, yeah. Who who is sort of single-handedly brought science into the mainstream in entertainment. Yeah, and I even feel like uh Sagan is kind of making a resurgence here. Um and I I think part of that is um honestly in in direct um retaliation or how much religion is is uh dictating our policy uh, yeah. domestically. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um, it's sort of like, let's go back to the expert who's written everything. Because, I mean, he wrote 600 papers right. and 20 books. Yeah, and it's and, and Sagan, I, I think we have gotten away from... I mean, Christopher, Hitch, Christopher Hitchens is dead, but he just seemed to be more like a blogger than a science, you know, like Sagan is a scientist and he has, you know, uh, accreditation to his work. He's also the guy that everybody grew up watching. Yeah. Uh, because he covered three generations. Yeah. Yeah. I, an interesting thing that I found while doing my research was he was actually one of Bill Nye's professors. Really? Yeah. That's adorable. Who was? Oh, we, um, while you were gone, we brought up Carl Sagan. Oh, Yeah. How he sort of invented the scientist in in entertainment. Yes, he did. He did. He also um, 
he, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson said that he like is he's the person that got him into like astrophysics. He he was a really interesting fellow because he he not only studied studied astrophysics, he studied genetics. So he bridged the world between those two things. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah. Um it when when he talked about things like evolution and stuff like that, he knew what he was talking about. He wasn't just an astrophysics who was using his education to go branch out into other things. He studied both. Hmm. Okay. Well, I found my book, Parallel Worlds, by Michio Kaku, uh, but it's Chris's copy, so it's not highlighted. Never mind. <laughs> so It's okay. We, we, we brought up Carl Sagan when you were gone, so it was still productive. Um, mm. I have a big list of names. Um, I wanted to bring up, um, I'm not going to bring up all of them because we, we're almost out of time, but I will bring up Randall Monroe because ne neither of you had heard of him because when I brought this up. So um, Randall Monroe was a roboticist for NASA in 2006, um, and his contract wasn't renewed, so he took the natural next step and became a cartoonist. Ah. And he does a comic called XKCD, which is one of the most popular comics online. I was really surprised you guys never heard of it, but maybe you have and you just don't know the name. But he does those science comics that are like stick figures. If you got Oh, yes, yes. I yeah, xkcd.com. And they're always very thoughtful and deep. And they go into everything from like math to the science behind love to um, things. I mean, he did a whole entire like multi-series comic on heartbreak from the point of view of a scientist. Um, but I mean, you got everything from computer science, technology, mathematics, science, philosophy, language, pop culture, and romance. Um, it is a fantastic series. It's on my daily read list. And it is, it, it makes you go, huh? Or it makes you crack up. Hmm. Or crack up. Or yeah. crack up. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two, there's two big science comic strips I like. And I didn't bring up the other guy because I don't know much about him at all. Um, uh, the other one is Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal, which is another good science comic. That's um, a great one, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know anything about the writer of it. Um, but I do know Randall Monroe because he did a TED Talk. Okay. Um, and he's just, when he does things on statistics, he does these huge research projects at, to do a single panel comic where he will he will gather up information on things that you never thought of before and then just do these Comic strips that are basically science, the, the, they're the object of a science experiment. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. It sounds like it. Yeah, I, I recommend you, you add XKCD to your, re to your daily reading list if you have one. Okay. Uh, I don't think now, I have a Erica, daily reading list. Erica, you wanted to bring up Radiolab? Yes, but before we go into Radiolab, let's circle back to Cacao. Okay, Cacu. let's circle back to Cacao. Cacao. Kaku, it's Kaku, and I I always pronounce it wrong. Chris always pr corrects me. So, uh, I can't find my version of the book, but I did find something really interesting oh, online. Oh, before you go on, Erica, I just want to say something to you. Hmm. Potato, potato. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I'll let Amelia know you're in her corner. Um, <laughs> so I found this. It's on futurism.com. It says uh, Kaku's predictions. Um, for the future, like, and some of the things he predicts, I think is pretty, pretty cool. Uh, extraterrestrial life. He says within the next century, we will make contact with aliens. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, the evolution of AI. Uh, he's saying that simple tasks done by human are way beyond what a robot can do. But as the decades go by, they'll become smart as a mouse, a rat, a cat, a dog, and then a monkey. And at that point they might take over. And replace us, which is pretty cool because have you seen that um, robot dog thing that can like detect things and walk around obstacles oh, and stuff? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's exactly like the, you know, what he's talking about. Um, colonizing alien worlds. We're going to have to figure that shit out because, uh, yeah, the world is dying. That's one of the <laughs> things he's talking about. This one is great. Bitcoin. He talks about Bitcoin. He says, you cannot stop virtual currency as far as what are things worth? 
things are worth whatever you're willing to pay for it. So it's gambling. It's speculation. And as far as my personal attitude towards it, it's not productive. Bitcoin is not a productive industry. I think that's pretty cool. So, But he's, he's not wrong. It, right. Things are, are worth what you're willing to pay for them. So crazy. All right, moving on, Radiolab. So I learn a lot of science stuff from Radiolab. I listen to Radiolab, like, all the time. Um, and, like, they were talking about uh, vision, like, the colors. Like, that was an episode I listened I think I listened to that one, like, twice. Like, what animals can see what colors. And they're always diving into science. And I don't know anything about the guys. But I know a lot of what they dive into is around science, and it's what makes it great to listen to. But, Brian, you said you found out, like, a bunch of stuff about them. You want to dive in there? Oh, about the Radiolab guys? Yeah. Um, they are Jad Ab... Oh, gosh, talk about name pronunciation. Jad Abumrad and Robert Krowich. Um they're not a science show, but they tackle subjects from neurobiology to the environments of the beginning of life of quantum f- physics. Um, and they, they treat science as an adventure. So every episode is another adventure you could go on as you learn more about science. I, I love all the NPR shows and there, there's this, I, I think one of the most popular podcasts ever. I mean, I think Serial is the only one that ever beat it. Yeah, I, they're definitely popular. Brent, do you ever listen to Radiolab? I do not. Oh, you sh- you should. You should. So they tell like, there's different things they talk about. Like so they tell they tell human stories, of course, and then they also tell like science stories. Like the one I was talking about that I listened to more than once was uh, called Ripping the Ra- the Rainbow. And uh, they're talking about how like the creature with like the most complex visual system in the world um, is like this shrimp thing. And apparently it also has trouble. It can see more colors than anything in the world. But it has trouble telling them apart because its brain is so tiny. Oh, the mantis shrimp. Yeah, the mantis shrimp. Yeah. Yeah, the mantis <laughs> shrimp. Um, another web comic, the oatmeal, did a big thing on the science behind the mantis shrimp. Yeah. So I mean, it was pretty pretty crazy. But like, they're always talking about science, and I love it. Like, I guess one of the last ones was more or less human. They they start talking about the where the line blurs between technology and humanity. Did I you you brought up the mantis shrimp and I have to share it, my favorite thing about it. Hmm. Did you know the mantis shrimp has a hypersonic punch? Yes. You can't yes. keep them in glass aquariums because they punch them out. Yes. Yeah, they're like a what's that video game guy? That's not a lot to go off of, Erica. Brian, you're supposed to be able to read my mind. What's that video game guy is not with enough the information. Punch. With like the big punch. Brent, Brent, can you help me with this? Captain Falcon? No. Falcon Punch? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, that is. Thank you, Falcon. Okay. Phew. (laughs) That was a hard one. Sorry. The guy with the punch. uh, The Hawaiian. (laughs) It always comes back to Hawaiian Punch on this podcast. (laughs) Every time. Every time. Never tell you. I probably never did tell you. So the first Radiolab episode I ever listened to. It was years ago, and they were talking about um, abortion, you know, one of our favorite subjects. Um, And they were talking about how when life is considered viable, right? So, like, a lot of the times, like, what's written into laws is where life is viable. And so they were talking about how this lady uh, went into, like, early labor at, like, 29 weeks. And, like, before that, like, the earliest that a child was able to survive was, like, 29 weeks and, like, six days or something like that. And, like, she had her little girl at 29 weeks. And they were, it, 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 was, it was about the science behind it, like what they had to do for the child to survive. And then they also talked about, you know, where the, like, does that move the, the line on abortions back more and, and stuff like that. So it had like a political aspect, but it also had like a huge scientific aspect about it. And I just, that's what really grabbed me is that they, when they, they approach a subject, they approach it from like all sides. And I, and that's what I really like about Radio Love. Well, we are out of time. Yeah, sorry. Um, 
<laughs> no, it's cool. We we went all over the place in this episode, but we we have Brent here, and we have a new game at the end of our podcast, and we want to oh, make sure he can be part of that. So instead of mo- describing a movie badly, like just to the audience, um, we take turns describing a movie badly to each other, and then try to guess what movie it is. Okay. Um, I will go first because I thought of one. Okay. Um, seven unemployed suicidal men attempt to militarize a town. Seven unemployed suicidal men attempt to militarize a town. Brent? Um, I mean, I feel like it's, uh, God, I want to say something along the lines of either Magnificent Seven or Seven Samurai, but I feel yeah, like yeah, I think, I think that's it. Yeah. 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 Like, I feel like it's a Western. It, it, yeah. Because it's suicidal, it's specifically the Seven Samurai. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, because seen. since they were since they were unemployed because their lord was killed, they they were by definition suicidal, even though none of them were depressed. Right. Yeah, they were honor bound for. Yes, and they refused the suicide in order to get revenge. But yeah, the seven samurai. Um, Erica, do you have one? Um. Yeah, a young kid decides to live life to its fullest. Oh wow, that is big. No. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes! Yeah, now it makes sense. You got me with the young kid. I thought of a little kid. Well, he was like a teenager, so yeah, young kid. Played by a guy in his 20s. That's usually how it goes, though. Brent, you want to take a shot at it? Uh, yeah. Um, Okay. Let's go with um, an African-American girl causes big problems in a quaint white neighborhood. Oh, a quaint white high school. Um, are you talking about that when they made the little, like the little girl could, like the segregated thing? Because I'm terrible at this. <laughs> nope. Okay. Well, I give. Up. I don't know. Um, it's Mean Girls. Oh my uh, god! I've never seen Mean Girls. What? I've uh, yeah. never seen Mean Girls ever, but I should have either. But I should have been able to get it just by that. Yeah, I did. I have not uh, seen Angels. Uh, okay. Um, the Mexican version of the Seven Se- Seven Samurai. The Mexican version of the Seventh Samurai. Uh huh. Mm. Three Amigos. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that. All right. I could also do Bruce Campbell remade the Seven Samurai by himself. There's multiple answers for this because <laughs> there's a few movies that fit. <laughs> All of the Evil Dead. No, it's it's specifically out of the Evil Dead universe. It's Army of Darkness, which is a Seven Samurai re, re, ripoff. Oh, I guess it is. I never thought about that. Um, but there's like, My Name is Bruce is also Seven Samurai. Okay, so I have one. Uh, a family of kids learned how to be adults and destroy everything, but somehow it's okay. Um, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead? Yes. Holy crap! (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) I'm proud of myself. I suck at this. This game is so much more fun than the old one. I know. I'm glad I came up with it. Brent, you got one more? You want to close this out? All right. Um, A a major corporation succeeds in fighting crime and mental illness where the government hasn't. Batman. Yep. (laughs) It's Batman. Oh. <laughs> uh, it sounds like equilibrium to me, but you know. <laughs> I mean, it's Christian Bale either. It's true. It is. <laughs> equilibrium right. is one of those movies that when I saw it, I'm watching the movie going, "Oh my god, this is so boring! It's so boring! It's so bo- holy shit! This is the best movie I've ever seen." Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Gunfu is pretty fun. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Oh, talk about a movie based on Shadowrun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Brian, why don't you wrap us up? All right. So we talked about um, science and pop culture and why that has become a thing. We took we talked about the present day and we took it all the way back to Carl Sagan. And we had a great talk today. And we were blessed with our fantastic guests, as usual, Brent Bowser. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Erica, for organizing this episode since we can't record next week. Yeah, no problem.
problem. Glad to, you know, be productive. I I like being an assistant producer. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, and it's it's kind of cool how it's grown the podcast into all we have to do is throw guests together. Um, I can't wait till you do you you have to do one where I can't be there. Why? Because then I get to listen to the podcast that I wasn't on. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. It'll happen eventually. Yeah, well, I'm sure it will. I mean, that's why we set it up so you could record. That is true. That is true. Well, um, I'm going to be at Strategicon next week. Uh, Brent, do you have any? Do you have anything you want to promote? Besides your awesomeness. Besides the. When's your When's your album coming out? Um, I don't know. Uh, how long it takes me to edit it? Uh, I guess the only other thing that I really would that might be interest on a uh, national level would be we have Origins coming up in a few weeks. It'll be uh, June. Pull up my calendar real quick. Uh, June thirteenth through the seventeenth. Now I understand Origins is where they're doing the Starfinder special. Uh, yeah. Um, they, Paizo has really embraced it, and so the Starfinder organized play uh, season will begin at Origins, much the same way that Pathfinder organized play starts at Gen Con. So we get to debut the first ever Starfinder multi-table interactive special that I will be overseeing. So uh, I will be lending my... Uh, my vocal acting talents to probably ruining characters that they did is, not intend to sound that way at all. Is there going to be a multi-table starship battle? Because that just sounds like a clusterfuck. Um, I, I don't know. And even if I did know, I would not be able to tell you. Damn it. I was hoping we could get you to slip up. Nope. You, you should know how NDAs work. I'm not <laughs> in that anymore. So I am 100% allowed to get you to fuck up on our podcast. <laughs> And, and besides, you would you would twist my arm and make me edit it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, thank you both for being here. This has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Say goodbye, Brent. Erica, cut him off. Yeah. All right. Bye.